Welcome to the St. Joseph Radio Presents live program broadcasting to you from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. The program that for over 30 years has brought you eloquent speakers from across the globe to help explain, clarify, and evangelize the Catholic faith. Our program covers a variety of topics relating to current issues and occurrences in our daily lives. Now, with the aid of technology, we are able to bring the gospel message to the four corners of the world, where Christ himself did say, those who have ears ought to hear. It is our hope at St. Joseph Radio that through these programs, we can help evangelize the world and change one soul at a time. Now, here is your host to introduce today's guest and topic. My name is Karen Nolkemper. I am honored to be your host today at St. Joseph's Radio with our program. And in our studio audience, we are privileged to have here with us today, Roger Class. Roger Class is a champion for life, pro-life author, and staunch pro-life supporter. So Roger, thank you so much for being here today. Karen, thank you for having me on your program. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're very welcome. My pleasure. And before we get started, like we normally do, we love to open our program with a prayer. So if we could just come together and open our our program with a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord Jesus, thank you for the gift of life, all life, born and unborn, able, disabled, young and old, for the gift of all life. Lord, we ask for the gift of holy boldness so that we can speak the truth with courage, the truth that each and every life deserves dignity and respect. In your holy name we pray, amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, this is really a treat for me. Uh, I've known Roger for a number of years, and Roger, just a little bit of background, I'm going to share that with our listeners now. And Be my guest. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Well, uh, Roger, he hails from the Midwest, uh, suburbs outside of Chicago. Mm -hmm. He has attended Notre Dame University. Mm -hmm. He has also had a wonderful 30-plus year business career with many accomplishments there. And then Roger, not only uh, are those his accomplishments, he has written not one, not two, but three books. So shortly we'll be talking about his third and most recent book. So we want to um, make that make that clear. So Roger, I, um, I'm excited. And, and again, this is the third book you've written. So did I miss anything about your background? Is there no, anything? Uh, no, very well covered. Good, good. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. So, and most people, um, they would love to write just one book, but this is your third book, The Cradle of Life, A Pro-Life Story. Mm-hmm. And in a few minutes, we'll get to that book and kind of dive into that with detail. But I want to just start by backing up a little bit. And if you could tell me a little bit about your first two books, what were they sure. about and what inspired you to write those two previous books? Sure. Uh, the first book, it's called The Three Books of Business. It's got a very long subtitle, but it concentrates in the areas of customer service, sales, and management. And I did have some experience in all three of those areas in the business world. Um, basically, it comes from a people-oriented approach. Um, gives self-help tips for all three areas. And uh, finally, it stresses the importance of service in all three areas. I think that's so important to be that servant leader. How do you do that? You know, people really want to follow somebody who has that mindset of being a servant leader. So thank you for that first book. And I got to tell you, people are really noticing customer service or if there's a lack of customer service nowadays, because it seems like a lot of companies want you to go online instead of talking to people. But personally, I'd rather talk to someone. 
over the phone or face-to-face. And that makes a lot of sense. It's all about that rapport, that relationship. And I know we'll talk more about that Mm -hmm. as we look at your third book in in just a minute here. So that was your first book, your business book. book. Okay. And please tell me about the second book that you've written. Uh, The second one, it's called uh, Virtue and Strife, A Christian Adventure. And the story of a guy that grew up in the Midwest but has to relocate to California uh, for the sake of his mother's health, and he loses his whole support system when he does that. Um, So uh, some of my own life, you could say, is in that story uh, because I related to some of the characters I wrote about. Um, I did work at three YMCAs at one time, part-time each one, and it was a great experience in seeing uh, some kids from um, uh, the suburbs get help and also had some affiliation with uh, inner city kids. They'd come out to our Y sometimes and get some help. So that was a great experience. So some of those things are in that story, but it basically shows how uh, one character uh, in particular, Philip, he uh, gets uh, his um, faith back after he returns from college. And he becomes strong in his faith again, and he's able to go out and help those around him that need assistance. Good. And gosh, that sounds so wonderful. And I know I've had the privilege of reading both of those books, so it's exciting. And it's so important, especially when we come back from college. Mm-hmm. How do we get our faith back and how do we enhance our faith? Yeah. I think that's critical and very relevant for a lot of our listeners today and what we're seeing in our culture. Again, it's really that particular age or that point in time. It's so important, the influences that we have that we meet along the way. So I think that's really something that people should be aware of and very mindful of. Yeah, I guess studies show that so many uh, kids, when they went to church with their parents every week, when they went to college, a number of them uh, stopped going. But then toward the end, toward graduation, they start going again, which is nice to see. Right. Um, and uh, Or life experiences after college, sometimes that'll draw them back. And um, it's uh, a lot of good positives there. Good. And I think that's so true, again, and even after college, looking at, and that's something we can talk about later in terms of the the landscape, what resources, groups, or opportunities are out there Mm -hmm. to have people plugged into our faith or stay plugged into or get re-plugged into the faith. So I know maybe we can touch on that a little bit later as well. Very true. Okay. Well, that brings me to your latest book. A Cradle of Life, The Pro-Life Story. You've got a wonderful copy right there for all of us. This is fantastic. So give me a sense, Roger, of what prompted you, what led you to write this book, The Cradle of Life? Well, pro-life always seemed like a fundamental basic to me uh, from as long as I can remember. And I was fortunate enough to have over a decade of living before Roe versus Wade passed. And I know how our country was. Uh, before that happened. And we did have our issues, we had our problems, but we were always growing, it seemed, in a good way. And then this happened, and some things really turned the other direction. And that's why I wanted to write this book, to help bring back a culture of life to this country, and to help those around us, um, that we, people that we see every day, that they've kind of never really experienced it or did experience it, but have gone out of touch with it. Sure, absolutely. Well, I think that's great. And I know I've personally read that. So I uh, really what I love about your book, and I'll share a little bit now and then a little bit later too, is how the stories in the book 
are very relatable, realistic. I think all of us in this room, regardless of our age, can relate to some of the characters there. So I think that's very, very helpful that the stories are relatable and realistic because then it gives some traction to say, okay, I can identify with this particular person in that situation and this is what I've learned or this is what I've done or this is maybe what I could do differently in the future. So yes. I really appreciated that with the four stories within within your book. Um, and before I talk a little bit more about the book, if you don't mind, just if I could back you up a little bit sure. and tell me about background-wise, what was your very first uh, pro-life project or pro-life effort sure. in your life that maybe kind of gave you some context as you were building and moving forward to ultimately writing this Definitely. book? Um, well, it was actually, uh, I was a junior in high school. It was a few years after Roe versus Wade passed. And our Spanish teacher asked us to give a 10-minute presentation uh, on the topic of our choosing in Spanish the following week. And immediately, pro-life came to me as an idea, but I asked him if that was okay, and he said, no problem. So I went to our church, got our, some brochures for visual aids. I already knew what I wanted to say, but I practiced a few times. And while I was giving this presentation, I saw a number of concerned look on students' faces, but I wasn't sure any big impact was being made. Until the end of the uh, class, Judy came up to me, and she said, a fellow classmate, she said, you know, Roger, I've always been on the fence about this issue, but since I just watched your presentation, I am definitely pro-life now. And I'll tell you, that memory has stayed with me for my whole life. And then I started thinking, oh, maybe some of those other kids had the same experience. They just didn't tell me about it. Right. So uh, since that time, um, I have uh, ridden my bicycle cross-country for a, a pro-life charity. It's a counseling service for unwed mothers. And every mile I did, money was going to them. Um, I've done prayer services in front of abortion clinics. And what else? Um, this book is the latest endeavor, that, which was a few months ago. I also give regularly to pro-life charity. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Well, thank you for, you know, kind of giving me the background because it's interesting how one thing leads to another. But Definitely. I want to yeah. stop and just first of all, thank you for the courage to take on that project all the way back in the junior high years. And then yeah. in Spanish, too. Not yeah. only English, but in Spanish. And it was so. a public high school. And it was a public high yeah. school. Wow. You are very brave. <laughs> Might back, be harder to do that nowadays. But. <laughs> well, back to that gift of holy boldness. It yeah. sounds like you had holy boldness mm -hmm. even back then yeah. where God is nudging us. The Holy Spirit is nudging us to speak the truth in love to do it in a way that's palatable, that's sincere, and just shares the truth mm -hmm. of our faith and the truth of the reality of life, that each life is sacred because each life is created in the likeness and the image of Almighty God, and that we are beloved sons and daughters of the King. And to really bring that forward with joy and truth, and to do it in a way not only in English but in Spanish. So my hat yeah. is <laughs> off to you for, for doing it in both languages. I, I won't Thank ask you, you to Thank say you. anything in Spanish today, I promise, but uh, I, I really um, appreciate you doing that. And like you said, the reaction. I think oftentimes we don't know the reaction, regardless if we're a student in school or an adult in the work world mm -hmm. or an adult in the retired world. We really don't know the reaction, but I think the Lord opens doors and we say yes to just speaking that truth with love. And he will utilize all our gifts for his good if we just walk forward and prepare it. I'm sure you're very prepared. I, I know from well, talking to you. Yes. Another thing that drove me to do that presentation is when Roe versus Wade passed, we were told, we heard on the news, uh, this is going to be a rare occurrence. And it seemed like it didn't take very long, and there was already a million, over a million abortions being done a year. And um, that was another reason I wanted to do that project. And I seemed to have a good understanding at an early age compared to a lot of people. 
what it is. And um, I people reacted very well, and it was an eye-opener, I'm sure, for more than Judy, my classmate, and they just didn't tell me, I'm hoping anyway. And I think oftentimes that's true. I don't know the marketing statistic, but for the number of people who respond, actually reach out and respond, there are so many others, to your point, mm-hmm. who were impacted but maybe did not reach out to contact you to give you feedback or their comments, but yes. you know that they've been moved. It's sort of that ripple effect where we throw a rock in the pond, there's ripples, and sometimes we we see those and sometimes we don't, just in terms of the people who we're well, impacting. tell you the truth, just Ju- Judy talking to me, she, she actually helped set me on the right track for doing this work um, throughout my life. And to your point, it really begs the question of the encouragement of others. I think if we find others like Judy or other classmates who are cheering us on, who are affirming us as we're doing that, I know we're doing the Lord's will, but I think it's so critical to have others in our sphere of influence who Mm -hmm. are championing our efforts and cheering us on, because it can be a daunting landscape if if we let it be. Definitely, yeah. That's very true. Sometimes it seems like an uphill climb, but there's been a number of good things happening in the recent past. And uh, we see a number of women, instead of going into the clinic, they actually want to take one of our brochures. And we hope that maybe some lives were saved that day and they're not going to come back. They're going to maybe go to the Pregnancy Resource Center two miles down the street. So everybody can make a difference in this area. Right. I agree. Very well said. And everybody can make a difference. And I think what's so important for me anyway, to uh, remember, just kind of mindful of my own background as well yes. as a champion in this a field. Huge and, resume. And, in oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yes. And maybe in a few minutes, we can talk a little bit more about that, too, because yes. we're on the same page, definitely in, in that regard. Mm-hmm. But I think, too, in terms of those brochures, I think not only we're called to speak the truth in love, but I think we're called to be equipped with resources. Yes. So we can tell folks your life is sacred. Your baby's life is sacred. God wants better for you. We have options, resources to help you choose life for yourself and for your child. And I think that's so critical to be aware of the various resources. So I commend you for having that brochure, because I know we only have a few seconds on the sidewalk, if you will, to really influence folks. And at that time, we're there to be calm and prayerful, but then also to offer resources. Well, People praying uh, on the sidewalk can actually have a bigger effect than they know because sometimes people drive by and they were going to pull into the parking lot and they decided not to because they saw the people praying. So even if the people praying don't have a direct interaction with someone possibly going in or pulling in, um, they may have done more good than they thought already. I think that's so true. I want to share one point from Abby Johnson, who's spoken, obviously, the unplanned video Mm -hmm. is her life story. She talked about how one time she was looking out the window from a building and how she looked down and she saw somebody faithfully and humbly praying on their knees. So again, just that power. And she thought, here is somebody who is being humble and faithful, who doesn't even know her or others going into the clinic necessarily. And there is that impact that sometimes the Lord allows us to see uh, the fruits of our labors and other times it's hidden, and that's perfectly fine because we're called to be faithful. And Roger, you bring up such a great point about having an impact with your prayers. Um, I do uh, want to also let our callers know, Mm -hmm. remind them, our listeners know, that you're listening to St. Joseph's Radio. We are the Rome of the West. My name is Karen Nolkemper. I am your host today. And in our studio audience, I am speaking with Roger Class, 
who is an advocate and author, a pro-life author. His latest book is A Cradle of Life. So again, Roger's with me here today in case you were tuning in late, wanted to remind you. Uh, and also, too, if friends would like to know more about Roger's book, A Cradle of Life, at the end of the program, they can call 636-447-6000. That's 636-447-6000. So I just want to remind our listeners. Sure. All right. Well, t- talk about the power of prayer. If I may, could I share one story with you? Yes, please. From my own background. Yes. Um, long story short, at one point in my life, God uh, had me serving uh, with the archdiocese. And we were, my team and I, we were out on the sidewalk in front of Planned Parenthood locally. And we had prayer warriors from everywhere. We had parish coordinators from different churches. We had the Knights of Columbus. We had multiple uh, pro-life, respect life groups out on the sidewalk praying. So so we were fortified with prayer. And the Holy Spirit put on my heart, because I'm I'm not the shy one, as you can tell. I had (laughs) one of those brochures you were talking about, Roger. The brochures that had the local resources what the resources offered in terms of services as well as contact information. And the Holy Spirit put on my heart, there was a young woman walking past. I said, "Um, may I share some resources with you? First of all, I volunteered my first name, so I wasn't just a random stranger. Mm -hmm. But that way it gives you that personal touch, like you mentioned before with regards to customer service that you mentioned in your first book, just how important that is. So I offered my name. You know, my name is Karen. I have some information to share with you. And then you only have a few seconds. So it's not, we're not educating folks uh, on fetal development at length, the full nine months, but what the Holy Spirit put on my heart, and again, fortified by the prayers of everybody around me, was the Lord just put a few simple words of truth on my heart. Um, What I think I said, and this is going back almost 10 years now, but I think I said, your life is sacred. Your baby's life is sacred. You don't have to do this. God wants better for you. You deserve better. We have resources to help you in your decision and help you choose life for yourself and your baby. And that alone, I just said, may I hand you this? It was just that, my name is Karen, may I hand you this information? That yes, alone, and that approach was calm, it's peaceful, it wasn't pressured or frenetic, but the woman said yes, and she was there with her aunt. Uh, Long story short, what was interesting was initially she said yes, and what she wanted to do is kind of figure out what's driving them there. She was worried she didn't want to miss an appointment. She didn't want to be late. And I said, oh, appointments are missed and broken all the time. People will always be here. We'll always be here. There's an ultrasound machine. There's a pregnancy resource center. Yes. We have maternity homes to help you. And a maternity home is that's where people can live and, and uh, receive food, clothing, shelter. So a variety of resources out there. And so uh, what I said was, you know, I, I said, what I mentioned before, and then handed her the pamphlet. Now, here's how the power of prayer works. Mm-hmm. So she and her aunt took this. Um, initially, they walked back, drove away, but then later I saw them driving around the block, and they came into Planned Parenthood parking lot, and this is why this is so important. So they got out of the car, and I'm like, everybody keep praying. Nobody yell, nobody scream, nobody get upset, just keep praying. The young woman looked over to me, I gently nodded, Like, I see you. In other words, I'm here for you no matter what. So I did not change. My demeanor did not change. I asked people to keep praying, and here's what happened. So my team and I, we had to go back to work. 
So for all practical purposes, the last time we saw this young woman, she'd gone inside the clinic. So we, you could assume whatever. Mm-hmm. However, Roger, this is where your point is so important about the power of prayer. What happens is when we're lobbing prayers over the fence, if you will, mm-hmm. people are feeling that inside. Those prayers have an impact. The point of the story is this young woman felt an unease. It was not peaceful inside the building, inside of Planned Parenthood. So it turns out she and her aunt left. She did not have an abortion. She came back. The aunt came back to the sidewalk several days later. And this is amazing. This is how I know it because there's volunteers there on a daily basis Uh where I had to go back with my, my team to work. The aunt told one of the volunteers who had been there the few days prior when we were there to basically to tell Karen that this young woman chose life. I was like, praise God. And so the point is, it's the fortification of people's prayers. And we can never assume that prayers uh, don't work because obviously they do. We know that. And again, it's giving that glory and honor to God. But it's one of those things where we just stay peaceful and prayerful and faithful, and we're there for the women no matter what. And I think that that's what we need to communicate. Boy, I bet that helped everybody that goes there to pray when they heard what happened. I, I, I hope so. It's one and of those you, things. Especially. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. And that's where I also want to give credit to the team because mm-hmm. God uses all of us according to our gifts, our God-given gifts. Some of us are speakers and exhorters, and we preach and teach and counsel, and others are prayer warriors and prayer supporters. And we obviously need everybody involved because our efforts have to be covered, surrounded, and supported and rooted in prayer. You know, two things came to mind with your story. Uh, One is everybody that's pro-life really needs to know where the pregnancy resource centers are, have that information with them, because you never know. Uh, It could happen at work. Uh, One of your friends could confide in you or something, and they could approach you and tell you about something they're going through, and they may need that information and be very helpful to them. Um, A lot of people, you may be the only pro-life voice they hear because they're not going to hear it in the media. If they do, it's going to be a different narrative. So um, that's one thing that came to mind. Uh, The second thing is there is a a number of women now I know that are probably uh, carrying a lot, and they did go through with it. And I did want to mention uh, one organization. Uh, it's called the Sisters of Life. They're wonderful. Oh, they're, they're, they're unbelievable. And one of their ministries is uh, to heal, help heal. It's a healing ministry toward women that have had an abortion and are really struggling. So if anybody has uh, knows of someone or anyone listening, if they fit that bill, uh, they actually gave me their phone number to give out uh, for the healing ministry. It's 866-575-0075, and their email is um, hopeandhealingatsistersoflife.org. So, hopeandhealingatsistersoflife.org. Thank yes. you for sharing that, Roger. You, you and they're bet. an amazing and group of sisters. There's another good charity out there similar to, uh, that does that, uh, Rachel's Vineyard. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, there's, I know where, I believe where you work. Right. Uh, help with them. Sure, sure. I'm yeah. gonna. I'll share a little bit more about where I work too. I was sure. just gonna piggyback onto what you said and mm-hmm. offer one other resource. Yep. It's support after abortion 
Support After Abortion is another great resource. You can okay. find them online. Uh, they offer great counseling in the various local areas. So great. just wanted to add that to your list of resources as well, too. Yeah. So in um, speaking of where I work, just briefly um, how God led my journey. I had served in a diocesan capacity, or archdiocesan capacity with Respect Life for a number of years, and then uh, also worked for a couple of years for a Catholic Charities Agency, and now where God has led me, uh, I'm so blessed to share, is with Our Ladies in Maternity Homes. Our Ladies in Maternity Homes. You yes. can find us on ourladiesin.org on, online, if you will, our website. And Roger, what I absolutely love about this organization We've been around for 41 years, so that's going back wow. to 1982. That's great. That's, that's a long time ago. Think about that, just putting that in perspective many, many years ago, four-plus decades ago. And we've been walking with mothers and children in need. Specifically, we work with pregnant women and their children who are in crisis, mm -hmm. and we offer them housing and support, hope and dignity for a new life and a brighter future. And what I love is... You can live with us, us meaning Our Ladies in, of course, for up to one year in a residential setting. So here we're helping you not only with the basic necessities of food, clothing, and shelter, mm -hmm. but we're offering resources to help you rebuild your life. That's great. It's fantastic. And we, we've got, we help you with educational and vocational training. We help you with life skills and job skills and writing a resume and learning how to budget. And we have um, parenting classes at each one of our two homes in the greater St. Louis area, actually one in St. Charles out this way and mm -hmm. one in St. Louis City. At each of our two homes, we have a counselor, a nurse, and a case manager, our family advocate, because we want you to succeed. And we're smashing that false narrative, if you will, that you only care just about the baby. Right. We're here, the pregnant mom, plus not only her unborn baby, but dependent children can come and live with us, as I mentioned, for up to one year in that setting. And then, Roger, we have two years of aftercare. So we follow up with you once you graduate, if you will, from our residential program two years of aftercare to see how are you doing in terms of your job, in terms of your health, in terms of the health of your family, in terms of transportation. And while you're with us, not only are we teaching you job skills, but Roger, I'm proud to share that we offer transportation to and from work, transportation to and from job interviews, transportation to and from doctor's offices. We want you to succeed, to be healthy and whole and on the road to self-sufficiency. Mm -hmm. So so that's a little bit. I gave you a- That's more a great support system. It, it really is. It really, really is. So I'm honored to be affiliated with such an amazing organization who's not only doing what I just mentioned, but also we received the highest level of accreditation from CARF International 12 years in a row. And uh, we're just, we were the very first maternity home to be accredited. So a little bit of bragging rights there. Thank you for indulging well, me, but I have to, to share about, that. So. Thank you. I feel yeah. very honored to be affiliated with such an amazing leadership team as well as volunteers and supporters. Mm -hmm. So I just thank you for uh, letting me share a little bit about no, that because it's very important. It, it's extremely important. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I also, so I just want to get, let me uh, ask you a little bit about the book. Sure. And then we're going to have a break at the halfway point, and then we're going to talk about the pro-life landscape. So, oh, you know what? We might have to wait in terms of, so hold that thought. We're going to come back after the break 
find out a little bit more about Roger's book, and then we're going to look at the pro-life landscape nationally and locally. So at this particular time, I just want to remind our listeners that you are listening to St. Joseph Radio Presents. We are the Rome of the West. My name is Karen Nolkemper. I am your host today. And in our studio audience is pro-life author and advocate Roger Class. St. Joseph Radio with a great gift idea, a St. Benedict bracelet, a trendy accessory for men, women, and children that not only looks good on everyone's wrist, but is actually armor for the spiritual battlefield. This unique bracelet is handmade in Europe and contains 10 medals within the braided cord in the adult size and 7 medals in the children's size. On the front of each beautiful medal is St. Benedict holding a cross in his right hand, the object of his devotion. On the back of each medal is a cross. Surrounding the back of the medal and cross are the letters VRSN. M-V-S-M-Q-L-I-V-B in Latin reference which translates Be gone Satan, never tempt me with your vanities What you offer me is evil Drink the poison yourself And finally located at the top is the word Pax which means peace All bracelets come packaged with an informational card and the St. Benedict blessing which your local priest can administer This gift is for everyone you love and care about including yourself Available from St. Joseph Radio Check the website at www.saintjosephradio.net St. Joseph Catholic Radio is proud to announce the launch of SJEN-TV, the St. Joseph Evangelization Network. SJEN-TV is a premier online Catholic broadcasting network providing quality Catholic programming 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We have programming such as live studio interviews, St. Joe's Java speaker presentations, current Catholic issues, and the pro-life series. We're featuring the many talented speakers out of Orange County, California, and this Archdiocese of St. Louis, Missouri including Professor John Gresham, Father James Mason, Karen Nokemper, Rick Hollerick, Bill Federer, and many more. To review the program list, go to sjen.tv or on Roku, sjen.tv. All this programming is free, and we are welcoming sponsorship of new programs. Find out more at sjen.tv. All right. Welcome back, everyone. I am speaking with Roger Class, who is the author of A Cradle of Life, A Pro-Life Story. And right before the break, Roger had asked me a great question about counseling and something I just wanted to follow up with. Yes, at our ladies in maternity homes, we do have professional counselors there who address a variety of issues because some of the women have previously had abortions in their background, had an abortion experience is a language we like to use. You're not permanently defined by that, but you have had an abortion experience. So the counselors, what we offer is a comprehensive program in a residential setting with a trauma-informed approach to care. And that is so critical to have a trauma-informed approach to care. So our professional counselors are there to deal with a wide variety of issues, um, some mental health counseling, substance use disorders, uh, as well as post-abortion healing and anything for which they feel they need additional training or guidance. We are also networked with other community resources, community partners, to again extend that trajectory, uh, that success runway, because we're focusing on health and wholeness for the whole person, mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. So, Roger, thank you for reminding me just to cover no. that point. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Your place does it all. 
Thank you. I'm very blessed. It really we'll, does. We'll have to come for a tour. So, well, very good. All right. Well, listen, let's get to your book a little bit before we talk about the overall pro-life landscape that we're all seeing in our nation. Mm-hmm. So if you don't mind, uh, give us a little bit of an overview of your book. Uh, again, without minus any spoilers. So sure. give us uh, an overview, please. Yeah, it is fiction, but it's based on um, some real life events. And it's definitely inspired by real life. And in fact, some of the chapters in the book actually happened, but the circumstances were changed to, uh, for plot continuity and things like that. Um, there's basically, for the crux of the plot, it's the story of four women's lives, four of their paths crossing. And during that time, they all grow in a number of ways. Um, two of the women were friends since the fourth grade, and then uh, two more come into the mix later on. Um, But they do some growing during that time, and they discover that, a few of them discover that they thought they had their values down, and uh, then they find themselves in different situations, and they realize maybe they needed to grow more than they thought they did. So that happens during that time. And what ends up happening is these women all form a really strong bond and a friendship, and they go out and basically make the world a better place. They um, become pro-life and uh, go out and try to affect other people's lives in this area. So. Good. Well, thank you. Very, very uh, important. Like you said, the uh, story of four women's lives or four women who do become friends, and they have an interesting common connection point that made me smile. Again, I'm not going to give this away. You'll just have to get the book and, and read it yourself, mm-hmm. a, cra- a cradle of life, a pro-life story. But something that I pulled out from reading your book, too, was the importance of the influence of your friends. Obviously, family, parents, grandma in one of the young woman's lives, but also the importance of having friendships that are healthy, uh, where people are on the same page looking for um, God's will and looking for truth and values. So I think that's just so critical uh, in terms of having friends who support you yes. in your decisions. So I mean, friends, friends can actually become closer than family sometimes, and it can be a very healthy place for someone to be, uh, spending time with friends and going through similar struggles. Uh, parents are obviously a huge influence, um, but they went through a different time, a little different time in history, full of wisdom. Hopefully they pass that on to you. But then there's some new things that people will face in their life, in real life, that their parents probably never had to face. And friends can draw on other friends that have gone through these things for help. Right. Very well said. And that kind of makes me think about the importance of good youth groups, youth Mm -hmm. groups affiliated with churches, as well as I know in the college years and beyond, uh, focus with the college campus ministers out there or missionaries, if you will. Uh, that's a wonderful program focus for folks of that age, and really all ages are looking for forming missionary disciples and evangelizing about our faith in a way that's relatable, that focuses on relationships. Because another something I took away from your book is the importance of relationships. Yes. And truth is communicated via a relationship. And I think when you think about it, this is an old Dale Carnegie statement, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Getting back to 
when we're sharing information. If you're just somebody talking at me I don't have a relationship with or don't know your heart, Mm -hmm. it's not as easy to take in the information as if I had a relationship uh, with you. Again, whether it's a friendship or youth group or somebody through focus or, you know, a shepherd at church, your priest, your pastor, other good shepherds who have holy wisdom and holy boldness. So I think it's uh, so important to consider those factors. And again, in addition to uh, parents and grandparents who are faithful and seeking God's will and on the right track. And just to have that open door communication, again, with everything rooted in prayer. You know, I, I mentioned Sisters of Life earlier, and they opened up a branch in Colorado. I believe it's Fort Collins, but I might have the town wrong, so don't hold me to that. But what they do is they work with college kids, and college kids can have one of the higher rate of pregnancies outside of marriage. And so they're working with all these kids before that happens, and it's, it's awesome results. I mean, very notable results. And I'm sure a lot of them are building relationships uh, with, the pe- with the students they talk to. And uh, so I think you um, hit the nail on the head there. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. I think that's just true for all of us. And I know sometimes, depending upon how much time we have, if we're genuine, even if we haven't known somebody for years and years and years, mm-hmm. if they get to know you in that context, again, yeah, the value of a personal yeah. relationship and a personal invitation. It, it might have been Boulder, not uh, <laughs> That's okay. That's all right. Somewhere in Colorado. We yeah, got it. It's, it's all in good. Colorado, definitely. And Sisters Sorry. of Life. And I encourage people, as you mentioned yeah. before, Roger, to really check out their website mm-hmm. and their work. I know I get their newsletters and I'll just beautifully done, really explains our faith well, and of course tackles life issues in a way that um, is filled with truth and compassion. Just very beautifully done. Definitely. Definitely. Very good. Thank you. Okay. Well, what I'd like to do is we talked a little bit about your book, and we'll talk at the end about how to get our hands on a copy of the book. I know there's a couple of different ways we can Mm -hmm. get your cradle of life story. Uh, Wanted to also look at the larger landscape. So let's talk for a minute, if you don't mind, because both of us, uh, we've been around a couple of years. We won't say how old we are exactly, but we've been around for a little while. What have you seen change over the last 50 years in the pro-life movement? Yeah, definitely. Um, Okay, our country is 250 years old, and our country had a culture of life for 200 years. And 1973, it is the 50-year anniversary of Roe versus Wade um, passing originally. Um, there has still been some good growth in our country over the last 50 years. I've seen some good areas of growth. However, um, there's three areas that have really gone the other direction. Okay. And this is for these three areas, this is why I wanted to write this book. Number one is uh, respecting life, a baby's life in the womb. Um, People don't seem to realize how important that is and that um, a human life in the womb in that stage has the same importance outside the womb, same sacredness. Uh, Number two, um, respecting the vocation of motherhood. That was always considered the most important vocation. And I think there are so many people in today's age that are starting to realize that, how important that is. Um, so that's that. And then the third thing is uh, family values. Um, there's been a big erosion of family values in our country. In fact, a little story. Uh, I've seen the last three years, we know we've gone through a lot of things in our country. and But I see that a lot of people actually went th- did some growing of their own. 
And our state, I live next to your state, mm-hmm. uh, we were locked down probably longer than you were. And finally, I needed a haircut really bad. So I just got in the car and I drove a long distance and I found a barber that was open. And the first thing he asked me is, where do you live? And he said, you, you drove all the way here? I said, yeah, I really need a haircut. So he was telling me that um, the last couple of years were a wake-up call for him. Mm. And he told all of his kids from now on, everyone's going to be at the dinner table every night. Uh, and we're going to eat together as a family. There's not going to be any cell phones. There's no going to be any TV on and no radio. And, boy, was he getting revved up when he was talking to me. And then he said, you know what, Raj, starting next week we're going to say grace before our meal. And I love this stuff because it's all old school stuff. It was so common in our country. And a lot of things that he mentioned now are like passe. And kids think, oh, we shouldn't have to do these things. Well, the parents are waking up. You see them um, looking out for their kids in a number of areas now. And that's all great to see. And this is related to pro-life. Right. If, you, if you look at the whole picture, right. um, surveys in our country, uh, one survey, a big survey, shows that a vast majority of people in this country want um, restrictions on abortions. And I've seen a number of uh, polls now that show that a majority of people in our country believe that pro-life is the way to go because <laughs> they've just seen so many things. Right, right. Um, We've had we've got about three thousand pregnancy resource centers now that have uh, are in our country. Um, ultrasounds, uh, women that see ultrasounds are having uh, giving birth to their babies in the ninety percentiles. Uh, Knights of Columbus wanted me to mention them because they've got a part of their charity that uh, gives to creates ultrasound machines gives to them. So um, if you'd like to look up their website, it, it's in there, and. Um, so there are a lot of good things happening in pro-life, which is so ironic because uh, this is something people have been praying about for 50 years. And recent events in our country, some people started getting depressed about the future of our country. And then Roe versus Wade was overpassed. Right. Or overturned, I'm sorry. And June of 2022, so it's, almost it's a year ago. It hasn't even been a year yet, but it's, I, I think it's the most prayed about subject in the history of mankind. Uh, personally, I think it is. But... It's so important now, as we were talking about the power of prayer earlier, everybody should start mentioning pro-life in their prayers. Um, if you feel your priest isn't mentioning enough, ask him to mention it in the prayer intentions during Mass. Or go to your minister, maybe he could mention it uh, more often in, in the service. If you say, I've, I've gone to church here a number of times and I haven't heard it. And I've done that to a few times. Now, I've come to church with you a few times down here, and uh, it's really... Nice to hear <laughs> all the pro-life uh, sermons. I mean, every time I've gone, they mention pro-life. Thank you. Yes. Right. Uh, in case our listeners can't tell, we're from two different states, neighboring yeah. states, and both states have uh, slightly different views and perspectives, and we're praying for both states and legislators yes. in both states and resources. But, right, it does make a difference, uh, the climate of, you know, a particular state or culture. That's why, back to your point, Roger, it's so critically important to continue to pray, pray, pray. Yes. And as you mentioned, again, as we all saw uh, the Dobbs decision, the overturning of Roe v. Wade in June of 2022, again, not quite a year ago. So we were so um, grateful for that. And like you said, most prayed about uh, subject, you know, potentially ever again. But God heard people's prayers. And then the decision has been brought back to the state level, as we know. There's something I want to pick up on in just a 
few minutes here, you were talking about family values. Mm -hmm. And it makes me think a couple of things come to mind right now. I know the TV show Blue Bloods, how they all have dinner every Sunday night. Multiple (laughs) generations have dinner together. And it's so important. How do we belong? Everybody wants to belong. We want to belong to a family, a healthy family. What does that look like? So it's so critical just to make that time. And for people not to be afraid to think, oh, my kids don't want to have anything to do with me. No, you're the parent with the parental authority. And to make that happen and to have the cell phones put to the side while you're eating dinner and conversing and sharing what's new in someone's day. And yes, you might get some eye rolls in the beginning, but it's important just to institute that because people will be grateful for those traditions. They feel valued. They feel loved. And so I want to talk about resources for family values. I know that right here at St. Joseph's Radio, as well as, you know, St. Joseph's Evangelization Network, they have lots of resources, books, CDs, DVDs, other programs that will really help both parents and teens, help families uh, come together for Mm -hmm. family values. How do you do that? Uh, Two other ministries also come to mind. D6, that's for Deuteronomy 6, that's a ministry. Some friends of mine here in St. Louis, oh my goodness, Roger, that's fantastic. It's how do parents communicate their values to their kids in a way that makes sense? Mm -hmm. Uh, And they uh, have seven children, and how do they do that? Starting with the little things like saying grace before your meal and having dinner together as a family. How do you institute these small and simple prayers little by little so this becomes something that's natural and comfortable for the family and values that can be carried on to their children's children. That's one ministry. Then there's another ministry too, the Institute for Catholic Humanism, the Institute for Catholic Humanism. Some other friends of mine have started that, and that's looking at along the lines of wisdom from St. John Paul II and Pope Benedict XVI, looking at theology of the body and healthy relationships and healthy families. What does this mean? What does this look like? And again, both of these ministries are having people flock to them because they're really speaking the truth in love, Mm -hmm. the truth that we're all hungry for. So I wanted to, in addition to the groups and resources you had mentioned, I wanted to share those as well. Yeah, those sound great. Yeah, good. Thank you. Yeah, three very, very good ones. So thank you. I think it's so critical, and I'm grateful for programs like this where we can share some of those resources Mm -hmm. and encourage people to check them out either online uh, or giving us a call here at St. Joseph's Radio. And that's 636-447-6000. That's 636-447-6000 for more information about our program today as well as any resources available to aid you in looking at life. How do we communicate those values effectively? So I wanted to make sure people were aware of that. So I wanted to do that. What are you hopeful for, looking forward? I know we touched upon this a little bit, but mm-hmm. what uh, what gives you the most hope as you bicycle across America or yeah. you pray on the sidewalk or you talk to people in your sphere of influence? What, what gives you hope? What are you well, seeing? Well, I think um, it was a huge shot in the arm uh, for... Roe versus Wade to be overturned. Uh, that energized uh, a lot of people. Um, the, the other side, I guess you can say, is also uh, more active now. Um, there's battles going on in 40 different states right now for life. Uh, a lot of states have passed very good pro-life laws, and some states have gone the other direction. So 
I'm actually very hopeful because um, to see what happened in my lifetime, I, I say, you know what, I think there's more good things coming, definitely more good things coming. And I think um, people are, the thing about a lot of decent people in this country, all right, uh, Catholics, Christians, other family, just family-oriented people, um, they want to uh, go to work, take care of their families, and um, spend time with their families on the weekends. And they see all this, these things going on in, in the world, in their own societies, and I think they were hesitant to get involved in this, but now they see it's the right thing to do. So they're getting involved. You can see it all over the country. So this is all very good things, and people are really starting to look out for their kids, and they're also starting to realize one thing leads to another, and the sanctity of life at all levels is something they need to support. Absolutely. Very, very well said. And there's all kinds of opportunities to do that as we look to our own archdiocese and diocese as well as looking at the country and, again, some of the resources we both have mentioned here today. And I think just for folks to become better educated, to seek out truth in love, and to listen to some of the experts. It's not like people have to have all of the wisdom, but if they spend time. Um, for me, I love going to the Adoration Chapel and then just listening, what is God putting on your heart in terms of what to do, where to go, who to connect with, and then staying surrounded with other uh students if you're a student or other families if you're a family or other couples if you're a married couple seeking out those like-minded faith-filled Christian individuals who can encourage you on your walk and who are there with you through the ups and downs of life because we all know there are ups and downs in in all of our lives absolutely you know here here's another hopeful statistics young people teens and early 20s they've actually got the highest degree of considering themselves pro-life now than the people I have in decades and uh, this came up in another interview I had, and the interviewer said, well, he heard that one of the reasons is um, they realize that 30% of their uh, people their age aren't here because of abortion, right. and they're shocked to hear that. And that's, I'm sh sure that does come into play. And, but I also think it's, there's, there's, there is a lot of good things happening uh, right now, and that's part of it as well. Right. Very well said. And I think for me, as I've seen uh, over the past few decades, sort of the evolution of the various arguments. I think early on in the 70s, they were talking about, oh, it's not a child, just a blob of tissue. Well, mm -hmm. modern science and ultrasounds have proved that to be wrong. Obviously, this is a developing human being. Then the second wave of an argument or obstacles that we've encountered, I think, had to do with the resources, and, and we're getting the message out there, and then some, look at all the resources there that are here to support you. But the last piece I think we all need to be so mindful of is that feeling, again, of belonging, family, abandonment. We need yes. to reach out in love and share not only with the resources, but also resources for church, and resources, uh, if you're pregnant, what do we have for you in terms of pregnancy resource centers and or maternity homes? But then also to a point you brought up earlier, Roger, looking at the abortion piece. Mm -hmm. And I think words matter and language is important. So I think we need to reach out knowing that 
one in four women have experienced, they've been impacted by abortion in some way because they're sitting in our pews and our family dinners at holidays. Sure. And so to really share with folks, um, abortion changes you. And that is language that speaks truth, minus any hot-button words, mm -hmm. to say abortion changes you. And for anyone who's experienced reproductive grief and loss, anyone who's experienced reproductive grief and loss, we have hope and healing. We have counseling for you to get through that so that you can be healed and made whole. And so I think that's so critical to use language perhaps similar to that so that it um, diffuses some of the emotion that oftentimes various words can convey. Yes, yes, definitely. And you've definitely got the right verbiage in a number of areas from our talk so far. Uh, it's good to hear. Very good to hear. Um, uh, one, a few other things. Uh, I believe it was 500 biologists were surveyed, and over 85% of them said this is a human being. That included a lot of them that were agnostic or even some atheists. They said, no, it, the baby in the womb is a baby. Um, women, I believe it was over 90% that said it's not a clump of tissue. It is a human being. There's some narratives out there that actually don't fit with what um, reality is. Right. And um, you mentioned about uh, kids wanting to belong. Unfortunately, there are a lot of fathers that are missing in action in their, in their family roles, and that has got a big impact over the years. Uh, father is so important to the family, and he's a role model, he's a protector. I mean, the list goes a provider many times. I mean, the list goes on. And when he's missing in action, the kids can feel abandoned, and they look to feel accepted in maybe some areas that they shouldn't. So. Very, very good point. And I think that's why we need to point people back to our Heavenly Father, mm -hmm. Almighty God, who cares and loves for them, regardless of the reality of their physical family, because I know various families come uh, in different uh, varieties, because I know some aren't always a two-parent home. Sometimes right. there's a one-parent home. But to look to our Heavenly Father as that father figure, a loving God who wants us to have abundant life. And then also to look to, back to the family, like you said. I think what I would love to see, and I think there are... Um, things that are sprouting up nationwide, is to reaffirm the role of a father, Yes, how important that is, how vitally important he is, and to have um, men realize it's a privilege, an opportunity, a duty. It's This is what is so valuable for children to have those fathers in their lives and how critically important they are and for just as a society to further make that known so the men can feel affirmed and encouraged, and look for those role models. Maybe those role models are within their own family or perhaps are within the church family, as, again, we go back to the church as a home for our yeah, families. Yeah, and I see, uh, I've seen families that um, um, if the father is missing, they, they, they adapt and they find good role models for their kids. And, and Roger, thank you for that. At this point, I would just want to maybe wrap up our program a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, remind callers, 636-447-6000 is our number here at St. Joseph's Radio. Again, my name is Karen Nolkemper. I've had the pleasure and privilege of interviewing Roger Class, the author of the wonderful pro-life book titled Cradle of Life. So please reach out to us to pick up a copy of Roger's book, either online or through this number. Yeah. Thank you very much. 
You've been listening to St. Joseph Radio Presents from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. If you would like to join us in our evangelization efforts, you can order a copy of today's broadcast or any of our past programs by visiting us on our website, stjosephradio.net. That's S-A-I-N-T, josephradio.net. Or call us, 636-447-6000. It's all at your fingertips to help us evangelize the world, bringing the good news of Christ to everyone you meet and change one soul at a time. Thank you for your prayers and support. Until next time, may God bless you and your family. This has been a presentation of St. Joseph Radio Presents.